Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As Associate Pastor Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 3 to start off. We're not going to stay there long. We're just going to be like the uh, scripture says, we're just going to pass through. And uh, I want to read a couple of verses there and then move on. So Matthew chapter 3, and I know you all, as soon as you saw me get up, you said, great, we'll be out of here on time <laughs> or early, right? So you can get wherever you got to go. But I got to tell you, I've never had so many notes as I've had this morning. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean anything, by the way, because I can read them fast and talk fast and we'll be out of here in no time. Or I can read them slow and talk slow like y'all, and we'll be here <laughs> for a while. And uh, I got to tell you a story. We have uh, some of you know, some of you don't know. We have an Airbnb that we rent out on our property, and there's a couple there now from Germany. Uh, I forget the town in Germany. They're from there for eight nights visiting family in the area. And I was talking to him yesterday a little bit, and uh, we got talking. He said, "Hey, uh, he has a German accent, by the way." And he says, uh, "You're not from here, are you?" <laughs> And I said, no, I'm, I'm a Yankee, and I'm sorry about that. He smiles and laughs. I said, what's the deal with that, he said, and we had a conversation. But anyhow, I've been here now almost five years. Is that long enough yet? How much longer I got to, do I have to start eating grits to become a? <laughs> uh, all right, let's stand this morning to our feet as we usually do. And uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3, and then we're going to read this. I'm going to say a few things. Then we're going to read really the text verse for this morning. I'll give you that in a second here. Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 16. And when and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway up out of the water. Start, sorry, straight up, yeah, up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I want you to, if you would, turn over to Genesis chapter 8 and just hang out there for a second and please stay on your feet for a moment. We'll read that verse in a moment. It won't be very long, but I want to give you a few words of the pre-introduction to the introduction later. But I found that uh, I have lived long enough to realize, and I've preached long enough to realize, that the things in this Bible have become real to me. They're, they're real to me. I'm glad I'm in the business of something real. I'm going to preach an old-fashioned topic today. Some of you younger folks will say, where is he coming from? And some of you older folks say, thank God for that message, amen. And some of you in the middle are saying, I have no idea what he's talking about. But I'm going to preach a real old-fashioned topic if we listen I believe God has something for all of us this morning. Walter Wilson, if you ever read his biography, he was a great Christian man, great preacher. If you listen to him, I read his biography many years ago, Prayer Warrior, uh, just how to walk with God. He wrote a book, uh, actually a, a dictionary on, top, on the, uh, typology in Scripture. And in that dictionary, he calls it a typology, he wrote over 1,000 shades and symbols and types that there are in Scripture. 
And we don't talk about that much anymore and dwell on those things anymore, and we should do that. And he says there are some types are plainly to be, are plainly to be seen in the text. You can see the typology when you read the text. He said that some types are uh, uh, types evidently the meaning that they're trying to convey, and then some types are just basically, if you would, for a, a better way of looking at it, just suggestive descriptions of some other types in Scripture. But I'm going to preach one of those type messages today on typology in the sermon. The illustration I'm going to use is the dove. As we see the dove descending upon Jesus as he's being baptized. And he represents in our text the manner in this text which the spirit descended upon Jesus. Talk about that in a moment. The spirit did not look like a dove. And Jesus doesn't look like a sheep, by the way, either. The spirit descending in great sweeping swirls as a dove descends and rests upon the ground. This passage refers to us, if you would, the action or manner in which the spirit descended and does not reflect the shape of the Holy Spirit as there is no animals that depict any shape of the Godhead in an animal that you could probably worship. All right? The Bible has a great deal to say about the dove. In Leviticus, it was used as a sacrifice for the poor. The Song of Solomon, the lover looked at his sweetheart and he said, thou hast, the, that how, thou hast dove eyes. I hope that means something, ladies. I'm not real sure. <laughs> he also said to Solomon, my love and my dove. Isaiah talks about the fact, he said, I did mourn as a dove. In our reading here this morning, it talks about the dove, the way it was descending down upon Jesus, and God said he was well pleased. Matthew 10, the Bible says that, Behold, I send, for, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. When Mary brought Jesus to the temple as a baby in Luke 2, she brought two turtle doves because she was poor. She couldn't afford the lamb. She could not afford uh, what was supposed to be brought, so she brought turtle doves. And here's a wonderful story in Genesis chapter 8. As we read verse number 9, and we'll pray and get on the message. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her feet. And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this morning. Thank you for this type we're going to look at this morning about this dove and how he represents all of us who are believers. And I ask you, please, first of all, to give me clarity of mind and heart this morning to help all the things going on in my life and my, my family this weekend that I may be able to focus on the realness of the word of God today. May he give us all listening ears and listening heart. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much this morning. So I lay some groundwork here about the story of this dove and the ark. The flood is over. There's still waters over the face of the earth. And no one's trying to find out, as any good man, what's going on out there. There were no cameras on the ark to see what was happening. There was those news channels to look on to see what was happening around the earth. He couldn't tell. He's high up on the ark. He couldn't really tell what was happening just right underneath the bow of the ark. He opens the window of the ark and he 
lets out the raven, an unclean bird that could not be sacrificed. And I still think one of the sweetest things about the unclean birds in the Bible is that God still takes care of the raven even though they're unclean. And if God will take care of the raven, he'll take care of me. And he'll take care of you. But God sends the raven, and the raven never comes back. And I believe why? Because the raven, if you would, is a type or a symbol of an unconverted person. The, the natural man, he likes the earth. He likes what the earth is made of. In, uh, in Walter Wilson's book, he said this about uh, the, the raven in First Kings. He said, this type of any person on earth is practically an unsaved person who naturally would not care for God, nor his people, but who was compelled to minister to God's servants against his own nature. And he was some, a bird is representative of someone who just cares about what's going on around us. And listen, folks, we know one day we're not going to be here anymore. And this old world as you and I know it today is not going to be like it is today. I've realized, been living long enough to realize that when I go back to where maybe I used to be years ago, it's no longer the same. It's changed, and it is changing as time goes on. What we have today, though, is a, is a, a people who have no interest in God whatsoever. I saw this little YouTube clip this week just for a few moments of this guy trying to be philosophical and trying to be a brainiac and an intellectual and tell us about why he believes that God is hiding from people. And this morning, let me tell you, God is not hiding from anybody. He's looking for anyone who will seek him and you will find him. Knock and he'll answer. He's going to come to you. But we're now trying to teach us, well, God's hiding because all these things are happening, so God must be hiding, and, and he's not showing himself to people anymore. Oh, no, my friend. God is still looking for those who will come to him. He's not hiding. If anything, he's manifesting who he is to us, and we're trying to figure out some way to disregard what he's doing and what he's allowing to happen. But where does this raven land? Maybe he finds a floating, stinking carcass of an animal. And he floats with it, uh, uh, and he gets on top of it, and he learns to just kind of float it along the waters as they're still receding, never going back to the ark. I'm free, I'm free, I'm back amongst the world, I'm good to go. It's stinky, and it's dead, and it's a carcass, and uh, I may even pick it for lunch a little bit later on, but I'm not going back to the ark where everything was okay. Are you with me this morning? He's built that way. He's a scavenger. He doesn't care about the ark. And he's going to float along the water, uh, along with the dead carcasses that were there from the flood. And maybe he finds a limb uh, or a tree floating, uh, destroyed by the flood, and with its grime and its grit and its dirt. An old tree, and he finds a place to go, and uh, uh, as a dove couldn't find, and he stays there. So the raven doesn't come back. And the raven doesn't mind the filth of the world. But then Noah sends out the dove. The dove. John 2, 19 says, They went out from us. They were not of us. For if they had been of us, they no doubt would have continued with us. So the raven doesn't come back. Baptists have been accused forever about believing you can live like the devil and still go to heaven. 
No one's ever told me that. But I hear that's what they say about us. Because no, no person really wants to confront the truth with anybody. They just want to talk about you behind your back. Right? But I'm not saved. And we're not saved because we endure. We endure because we're saved. We don't believe in the preservation of the saints as much as we believe in the perseverance of the saints. That we can, that we'll be preserved because of who Jesus Christ is. But the dove, what does Walter Williams say about the dove in Genesis 15? He says, the covenant was instituted by God with Abram and the animals used to establish the covenant were, were to assume Abram that though uh, his people would be in the furnace with Egypt, in Egypt suffering under the lash of slavery, yet through it all, the sacrifice would be effective for them and that they would be able to maintain a light for God through all their tribulation. The dove is a picture of the believer and God's protection of the believer. Probably the various animals that are mentioned have different aspects and values when it comes to the sacrifice in the eyes of man. But God's people should live like God's people. A dove was sent out. Noah, realizing the dove did not return, opened the window of the ark and let that beautiful dove go out in the heavens. And boy, I got to tell you, if I was that dove, how free I'd feel. And I got to tell you, being cooped up in that smelly, dirty, noisy ark, unless the, all, the animals, all the animals were sedated, it was not, it was quite the place. And when that window was open and dove and Noah allowed that dove to be free, and he flew. I'm sure he was out there flying around the sky thinking, my, oh, my, it's so good to be free, free at last. The dove flew and flew for quite a while. What a wonderful feeling it was to finally be free. He was tired of being cooped up with all those fundamentalists on the ark. He was tired of being cooped up as he soars through the skies and the sun's breaking through the clouds. And what a joy it must have been to be loose and to be free. Free again. And let me tell you this morning, once you've been in the ark and once you're a dove, you'll never be happy again unless you live in the ark where God would have you to be. We're spoiled this morning. We're ruined today. You can go back to that world, but you'll not be as happy you'll not be as happy. And I want to call our attention that the dove did come back because there wasn't a place for it to rest. And it did come back to the ark. And there's something special about that ark. And I want to call our attention to a few things this morning as we fly through this long message. See, usually we use reverse psychology. We tell you it's real short and we go long. I'm going to tell you it's long or we're going to go longer. <laughs> Number one is this. The dove was happy in the ark. The dove was happy in the ark. The, the day came when God's going to send the flood. He gave Noah uh, all, not only the orders, but all the instructions of how to build what he had to build. And, uh, and God gave him direction on the construction of the ark. And what a massive undertaking. A uh, hundred of years to get things where they needed to be. Can you imagine building that? No one had one in the neighborhood. It was new. Have you seen the ark 
there in uh, Kentucky, when you look at that thing, you come over that little hill and you see that thing and say, oh my word, that thing's huge. And one man and his family built that thing. It's a massive undertaking, massive job. And God gave him directions how to make that. But more importantly, we know that God told him to take two of every creature and seven of every creature that are sacrificed so he could sacrifice them. And I will tell you, they were two of every kind. They were one male and one female. Two males can't reproduce another bird. Two females can't produce another horse. You're with me this morning. All the way from the beginning, it's always been a male and a female. And thank God that Noah didn't believe in that transgender junk. Amen. So we can still have the animals that we hate and we want to destroy today. I'm going to go hunting for squirrels. They're taking over the world. Maybe not your house, but they're all over. And God gave him these directions. And God said, you get, you get a male and female of every creation out there. And you want to make room, put them on, on the ark. And the dove had not a care in the world while he was in that ark because Noah had made provision for all of them in the ark. And it was Noah's job to feed the doves and Noah's job to protect the doves and Noah's job to care for the doves. And the doves that are in the ark didn't have a care in the world other than a little smell and noisy. And they used to have to hunt for their own food, used to have had to find a place to bed down and rest, find their own little dove cave they could stay at and all that. But why wouldn't you be content because, those do- because the doves was in the place where God wanted it to be? And God wanted that dove to be in the ark. Dear friend, this morning, the happiest place you'll ever be in your life is you are right in the center of God's will for your life. It's the happiest place for you to be. When Andrew and I decided to go off to Bible college, we were already married, of course, for a number of years. We went off to college not knowing, knowing that was God's will for us to go where we went to. We went to the armpit of Indiana. Have you ever been to Hammond, Indiana, northwest uh, uh, Indiana? It is the armpit. And on one side of you is Gary, Indiana. At one time was the murder capital of the country. And the other side is South Chicago. And right in the middle of that was this coal train there was trains on every block and they didn't have overpasses you had to wait for every one of them and you got a train you never got anywhere you wanted to get to it was not it was not vacation land it was not utopia in the middle of that town got to build a church and a pastor with a vision that started a college and god led us there and took care of us there and provided for us there it was smelly there It was dirty there. The trains would drive you crazy. They were everywhere. But I'd rather live right in the center of God's will, no matter where it was at, than the most beautiful place in the world and not be in God's will. Safest place for any of us is right where God would have us to be. 
The way, the way to live is not chasing what I may want or what I desire, but what does God want me to do? What does, what, what does God have for me to do? The safest place for me is obeying God and leave the rest up to him. It doesn't mean the place I, I choose is going to be a better rosin, better roses. It doesn't mean that uh, it won't have consequences. I mean, we, we weren't there but a couple of weeks. We had a nice, uh, we had a nice Monte Carlo that we had bought recently in a nice little baby blue uh, Landau top Monte Carlo that, that she loved very well. We weren't there just a few weeks and somebody T-boned us across one of those railroad tracks. <laughs> but that wouldn't mean we shouldn't be there. We didn't go back and say, let's pray about it. Should we be at this place or not? They just, just totaled our car out. Should we be here or not? No, that wasn't the prayer. It's like, oh boy, that was, that was quite interesting. And listen, the consequences may not be what you think, but it doesn't mean that's not where God doesn't want you to be at. I mean, Daniel, safest place for Daniel was in the lion's den with the lion. Safest place for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in the fiery furnace. Safest place for Jeremiah was in the pit. And that pit is disgusting if you read it and describe how it's written. It's, it's, it's the pits. Joseph was safe in the pit and in prison after being sold by his brothers. Stephen was the safest place he could ever be, being stoned. You can look up to heaven and see Jesus standing up looking for you, waiting for you to get there. And Paul was safe being beaten, shipwrecked, tortured, and left for dead. And in prison, that was the safest place for him to be. And it was not no utopia, by the way. And Noah and his family and all the animals that were in there, the safest place for them to be was right in that ark where God had him to be. Number two, let me say about this dove is this. The dove chose to leave. The dove chose to leave. The window of the ark was open. Noah left the window open, and the dove looked out. He said, boy, I'm ready. I can go fly now. I can't wait. I can do what I used to do, as you naturally would feel, wouldn't you? I can finally got some more some space. I can go fly and enjoy things. And I'm going to go to the most plus spot I can find. I'm going to go to Utopia. I'm never going back to the ark. The dove takes off. And he soars out of the ark, and his wings feel like they used to feel. And he remembers the days of old when he flew where he wanted to fly to. He says, boy, it feels good to be back to the good old life. But all of a sudden, he's growing tired. He's growing weary. He can't find a place to rest. He's a little prissy. <laughs> Unlike the raven... He's a little prissy about where he lands at. He's a little peculiar. I, I know none of you have that problem around here. But you're a little prissy about where you hang out and what you do. And he remembers the good old days, and he tries to find his old dove cave. And he can't find it because it's been destroyed. He says, boy, it feels good to be out, and it feels good to maybe head back to the old life I had before Noah grabbed me and put me in that ark. He said, but I can't find home. And I can't find my friends. And I can't find my enemies. I can't find anybody out here in this world. And he grows tired with no place to rest, nowhere to go. Where should he go? Doves go to doves' caves. 
He couldn't find Dove Cave or the Bat Cave. If you put a dove anywhere in the world, he will go find his home. I was looking at doves this week, obviously, and did a little homework on this, and I always thought that dove could be trained to fly anywhere and go back to where you train them to go. No, they go back to where home is. You can take them about 700 miles away from their home, and they'll find their home, but they go back to home. They don't go where you may have trained them to go. You can't train them to go. They just go back home. Homing pigeons go back to their home. That was interesting. I always thought you could train him. I guess you can't train a dove. He just goes home. Why? I spent some time on this dove. Why? Because that's what happened to Christian people today. They want to go back to where they came from. They want to go back to try and live the life they used to live and not grow for the Lord. They want to go back to what they thought used to be a good time for them before they found the Lord. And you're going to find out something you can't go back because it's no longer home. It's not the same place. And I, in the years of being in the ministry, in years of having Christian friends, I've seen them by the scores try to go back to where they came from. And now you find out they're not even serving God or even involved with God's business anymore. What a tragedy. What a shame. What they find out? They found out it's not the same. You've been there. You've been tempted. You're in the same boat we're all in. Well, those folks really aren't that bad. Right? Well, that place wasn't really that bad. Well, that, 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 that establishment really wasn't that bad for me. And the dove wanted to get back to the old crowd and the old place he hung out, not realizing it was not where he needed to be at. And that's what happens to good Christian people. Let me say to you, please, this morning, as someone who cares about you today, as all God believers, listen, don't go back. The devil is trying to get you to go back to the old places they're, listen, they're not so bad. No, they're terrible. God saved you from that. Why would you go back to that? I always find it amazing how people who come to know the Lord as Savior, all of a sudden, some little leech grabs a hold of them and drags them off somewhere else who never cared about their soul before. But now they know the Lord, they care about them, want them to come their way, come where they're at come what they're all about. And I, and I listen, and listen, I know this is old time preaching here, and I know this is old time for us to listen to but sometimes, but listen, we need some godly people to say, I'm not going back to the place where I came from. There's nothing back there for me anymore. What does that mean? You got to stand. You got to stay, take, take a stand. Well, I don't want to stand. I may make someone mad. Make somebody mad. Not on purpose, but make them mad. They really don't care about you. If they cared about you, they would want what's best for you, not what's best for them. But the old crowd doesn't care. The dove suddenly becomes tired. The water is still everywhere. He can't find a place to land. He's not landing on that stinky carcass that the raven found. He's a little prissy for that. Too much like God for that. And in verse number nine, we read, but the devil found no rest for the sole of his foot, her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark. If you are saved today, you are not a raven. You are a dove. 
And if, you're, uh, and if you were a dove that you want to soar and be free from the ark, you may have some temporary enjoyment. You may find the old carcasses may look good and may be good for a season. But you're going to find out sooner or later they're just old and stinky. And we already mentioned they're dead. You might go back to where you might find some happiness, but you'll never be true happy living back there. And to all who belong to God this morning, you'll never be happy back yonder where you came from. Never, never, ever will you be happy there. Oh, you may live there. You may live there. You may go back there and put up with it, but you won't be happy there. There's a, there's a distinct difference of being happy and living somewhere. The dove chose to leave the ark. The unconverted might go down to that old carcass and jump and leap and say, man, I'm finally free. I'm out of here. I'm on this dead, stinky carcass. Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Sounds like great to me. I promise after a while you'll say, something smells around here. Something is rotting around here. Where have I found myself? Listen to me, please. I'm not that old to see where you live like the world where you end up at. You're going to be some old dead carcass. I don't want to live there. I don't want to live there. Listen to me, please. Uh, uh, the dove flies out for a while. It feels so good. Wow, I'm finally out here. I'm enjoying all this. This is going to be great. Most, most, of, uh, uh, listen, most of life is lived not for the thrill, but for the Lord. Our life should not be uh, centered around, is this thrilling to me, or am I doing this for the Lord? You say, you must be some old, stuffy, strict guy who never has any fun. You don't know me very well if you say that. I like having fun. I enjoy my life. I, I enjoy it. I don't miss any of that old stuff whatsoever. I don't miss uh, the, the headaches and putting up with things that you have to put up with. I don't mind, miss it whatsoever. And you say, oh, that, that's just you. Uh, maybe me, but uh, I'm serving the Lord, not for thrill. See, I love roller coaster. The higher, the faster, the more it jerks you around, the better. I'm getting a little hard now at my age to put up with it all because <laughs> the inside things get moved around, but, but, I, but I enjoy it. But I found out one thing. Once you go down the hill, it's all over. I mean, it's not even two minutes and you're already back in line again because it's over, right? On the best times at night in the front seat. Yeah, my wife loves that. <laughs> and I like that, but I realized a long time ago that thrill cost me something and it didn't last very long. And I stood in, long, stood in line for a long time for that little two-minute thrill. And I'm still paying for the last trip. Most of life is lived not for the thrill, but for the Lord. There needs to be times when you need rest, yes. And there are times we need happiness, yes. And there are times that we need peace. And there are times that we need to have contentment. And there are times that we need to be satisfied. But all that comes from serving the Lord. We look at the world and we see what it has to offer us and we naturally get intrigued. But there's nothing like the faith of faith life serving our Savior and watch Him direct your paths and watch him lead you in the way you should go and watch him take care of all the consequences 
and needs in your life. Nothing like it. And once you go back, it's awful to go back to, where, to what you have now. See, this whole sin-cursed world this morning looks night and day, day and night, after what, after what they can find right here at the old-fashioned altar this morning. But they refuse to see it because they think there's something wrong with us. They think we're crazy. They think we're whatever they want to call us. We're made fun of in the news. Behind closed doors in our government, they make fun of us. They put up with us because we're so many. I don't care. And the world's looking for what you and I get to enjoy today because we found it at some old-fashioned altar somewhere calling out to God as our Savior. Find the will of God for your life. Forget what you may do or not do. Forget about uh, whatever it is you may make in life or not make in life. Forget about uh, being popular. Forget about climbing the ladder top. Listen, uh, uh, this, this world that we live in, everybody wants to be popular and be well-known until they, someone talks about you, then you're mad. I don't understand. Do you understand that? I want to have these many followers, but not one of you be against me. Well, first of all, you shouldn't ask for it because you're going to get what you asked for. But, but I don't know why, why we're so crazed by that. I got so many followers. I said, what's that? What's a follower? I don't know what a follower is. Oh, you know, someone who, who subscribes to you or likes you on whatever it may be you're on or whatever. I'm thinking, oh, please help me. If that's my life is boiled down to that, I'm in trouble. I want a life that's thrilling serving God, not trying to please man. Find a will for your life. It's not about necessarily what you make or what, what you may be doing necessarily, but peace comes from staying at it and doing what he would have me to do by doing what I know he wants me to do. I agree with Pastor Dean, as he said even last week. I have the ability and have done it myself. I can make a living without serving God. But I choose to serve God instead. I choose to serve God. Why? It's thrilling to me. Hang on a minute here. <clears throat> Put yourself in this position. Old Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh and preach, preach right? I want you to go to Nineveh. I'm going to kill all those people over there. I want you to go over there and preach the gospel, and I want you to spare them. And Jonah uh, uh, is not too far from us. He says, I hate them people over there. I hate them Ninevites. Just go ahead and kill them all, right? You can't, you can't make me love them. He gets on a ship to go to Tarshish. And behold, lo and behold, God knew right where he was at without having a cell phone. God's GPS is right on the money. He knows right where we're at. And God said, hey, I got, hey John, I got something for you. I got you a well, well motel all checked out for you. You're going to spend three nights and three nights free in the belly of a well. All the accommodations you can ever think of. Right? I mean, there are car parts in that belly. There's a lost, the lost, the lost ark is in that belly. Bumpers and tires. Plastic bottles. Why? Noah got spit up out of that well. I don't know how fast he ran, but I guarantee you he looked like a mess. Yeah. 
You spend three days in body acid chewing on you and see what you look like. And he got to town, they said, uh-oh, this guy is something. And he was right where God wanted him to be at. I find so interesting about this story that even after God caused that great revival and spared that city, old Jonah's still up, still up above the city, mad. I knew you'd spare them. I knew you'd save those people who you love, all those children who you care about. I don't want to live that way. You say, well, God may send me, God, I'll fool you on that stuff. God, if God sends you there, he's going to take care of you there if he sends you there. Now, sometimes I would love to be a missionary in Hawaii. <laughs> and I think if the church would take it up to support us full time, we could go and take care of you, represent Central Baptist Church in Hawaii. Anybody with me? I'll give you a place to come visit. You come help me build a church. Peter cursed and he swore that he didn't even know Jesus. I can't, I, I can't, I get over the fact that he was trying to hide and not say anything, but the fact that he even denied he even knew him. I can't fathom that. But he found peace when he came back to the Savior. And Samson was so strong, he was strong enough to turn over the porch of the building and kill all, all those Philistines, uh, but he only found perfect peace in the will of God. The dove of Noah flew back to safety in the dove cave right in the will of God. The prodigal son, well, I love that story. I love to tell that story. I don't have time to tell that story my way. But I love when, he came, when his Bible says he came to himself. You can't change that interpretation any other way. He came to himself. He said, I got a loving father I need to go back to. And he went back home, right where God would have him to be. He said, I'm going to go home. Number three and last is this. We're coming in for a landing, I promise you. The dove, and I'm going to get some of you, you're going to be looking at me crazy when I say this. The dove returned with the filth of the world on it. And you're going to say, where did you get that? Hang on a second. I'll show you. I'll tell you what I mean in a minute. When Dove got back to the ark, it was written in history that had muddy feet and muddy wings and mud was on it. And it was written by Flavius Josephus, a first century Roman Jewish historian and military leader, best known for his writing in the Jewish war. He wrote about this. He said, when the dove came back to the ark, it had mud on it. The dove had tried to land where doves shouldn't land, and the dove got mud on it. Not being made from the mud, as I've already mentioned, he soared back to the heavens and back, and back, from, back to the ark. You see, he got down where the grime and the grit, and he got it on his wings, he got it on his, his uh, feet, and he said, my word, I don't like this stuff. I'm too prissy for this. No, I'm too saved for this. I'm not made for the mud. And you and I this morning, we're not made for sin. We've become a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. They have or they haven't. We've become new or we haven't become new. If you haven't become new, you need to get saved. Because you get saved, all things become new. And all the old things pass away. 
And we're not made for this wicked lifestyle anymore. We're not made for any uh, wicked way of living. We're made for God's will in our lives. And we need to find out, and we need to get there, and we need to live there. We should always strive to be in the will of God for our life. And you say, well, I don't know exact definition. I don't have exact definition either, but I know when I'm not in his will. You know why? Because there's a little, the spirit lives inside of me. He says, hey, Barry, you are not in the will of God here. And don't tell me you haven't felt that same thing either, by the way. You know when you are and when you're not. And it's not necessarily a location, by the way. What are you doing in your life? The location that you're at. And we should always live there. Always be there. Does not mean we'll be sinless. If you believe you become sinless, whoo, you got problems. You will get mud on you in this world. The heavenly dove all of a sudden seeks and he can't find happiness. And here I am, I'm coming in. I'm coming in. I see, I just lowered the wheels. I can see the lights of the runway. And we're almost there. My goal is 12.05. I'm going to beat that goal. Hang on. Do you have muddy feet this morning? Have you been living more for the world than for God? Are your feet muddy? Are your wings muddy? Then you need to get back in the ark Get the peace back. They return to the joy of your salvation that you once enjoyed. The best place for any of us, as I've already mentioned many times, is right where God would have us to be. The safest place, the happiest place, the most fruitful place, the most serene place, the satisfying place, the most joyful place, is right where God would have me to be. I don't want to live with the muck and the yuck of this old world. Let me paint this picture for you, and I'm finishing. The dove was happy in the ark. Why? Noah cared for him. He didn't have to hunt for food. He didn't have to worry about his own sustenance. He was fine. And all of a sudden, Noah gives him the opportunity. He opens the window, says, I want you to go fly out there. I'm sure they were talking like Dr. Doolittle back and forth. Noah opens the window of the ark and the dove flies out. And out the window the dove goes. Out where she used to live. Tries to find her old house. It's long gone. She tries to uh, uh, find out uh, maybe some old friends and they're all gone. They're no longer there. She'd rather be back in her new dove cave. She finds the ark is the best place for her right now, and she goes back to the ark. Don't miss this. In verse number nine, we read, returned unto him into the ark. If you didn't hear anything else I said today, listen to this point. This, this would be the life-gripping I should have said it first, but I saved it to last. It doesn't say to the ark. The dove is not saying, I've got to get back to the ark. The dove is saying, I've got to get back to Noah, my caretaker, 
my provider, the one who saved me from this flood. I got to get back to Noah. Why do I say this? Because then it says in verse 9, then he put forth his hand and he took her and he pulled her in unto him in the ark. Noah's been looking and waiting for that dove to come back. Can you see Noah pulling the dove to him? Begins to clean the dove up from all the mess it's gotten from out there in the wicked old muddy ruined world. And Noah draws that dove to him and tries to make it look like it prissy as it used to be. My friends this morning, God is so ready to help us. He walks with us. He talks with us. And he tells us we are his own. And there's joy we'll share as he reaches out and grabs us and pulls us back into the ark. I don't care what you've done in your life or where you've been. You have a God and a Savior and a sweet spirit of God that wants to lead you right back to him and pull you back safely into the salvation of the ark. That's where I want to be. I want to live in the safety of the ark with my Savior. Lord, thank you so much for the word of God this morning. Thank you for this message of the type of the dove today and what it represents to us. And God, this old world is muddy and dirty and filthy. And we can't help but to go through this world without some of that mud and that filth and that dirt getting on us. We can't help it, Lord. It's going to happen to us every day of our lives. We face things that we have to make decisions to say no or yes or to stay away from. We're there. We, we have to. None of us are exempt from that. None of us in this room this morning will ever be a time until you come that there won't be some temptation, there won't be some mud or some filth of the world on us. But thank you. As we see here with Noah, you're waiting, you're longing, and you're anticipating for us to come back home. Not just to fly into the ark, but into your outstretched hands. Your hands are stretched out for us today. Thank you so much for sparing us from this whole wicked world we live in. Their heads bowed this morning, their eyes still closed. So, dear friend, today, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if the mud of the world's got on you and it's attached and hasn't come off yet. I know this this morning, there's a Savior with his hands out waiting to take you back and help you clean the mud off, put you back in the place he'd have you to be. Maybe there's someone here today, you have no idea what I'm talking about today. He said, this guy is speaking like Greek to me. You need to know the Savior today. His hands are outreached for you today for salvation to know him as your Savior and as your King of your life. We're going to stand here in a second. 
sing a few verses of invitation as we normally do. The altar's gonna be open if you need to come and pray and spend some time with God. We're not here to nose into your life. We're not here to find out what your need is. We'd like to pray with you and help you if we can. Come back to the ark. The Savior has open hands for us today. We reach out and take his hands back. Let's stand on our feet this morning. We'll sing a few verses. God bless you all. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.